Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and on this very special episode, we are speaking with vocalist Johnny Chardulo of Carcosa. Born in the midst of the pandemic and featuring seasoned veterans of the Vancouver metal scene, Carcosa play a punishing and technically impressive brand of deathcore, inspired by the likes of the Acacia Strain and Brand of Sacrifice. The band dropped their first full-length record, Anthology, this year, and have amassed a faithful following thanks to their savvy use of platforms like YouTube and TikTok. This is a group that is truly on the rise, and we are honored to feature them as the first metal band on the podcast. So, thanks for coming by. This is your first in-person guest in over a year and a half, which is pretty nuts. Because COVID, eh? Yeah, COVID. Crazy, crazy. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy that you're able to swing by. Mm yeah, what have you been? Uh, what, you, what were you up to today? Uh, today I had some other press stuff I was doing. Did a podcast interview. We've been doing quite a few of those since the album dropped, like way more than I ever did in the past, which has been cool. So I've definitely been doing a ton of like you know pretty fun interviews here and there. But yeah, that's what I did this morning. But yeah, it's cool. It sounds like you're doing the circuit. Doing the circuit, Apparently yeah. it is a podcast circuit, but... Yeah, yeah, it's still going, but uh, yeah, I love doing them, man. I love just talking about music and art and all that kind of stuff. So. Probably just filling up like a Google calendar and like, oh, I've got this video call and that video call. And yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what it's been like, but you know, a lot of it you can do from your house or, you know, whatever, and it's really easy, so it's like not a big pain or anything. So I understand that the, the band previously played together under the name Galactic Pegasus, mm-hmm. What was the rationale behind completely rebranding the group instead of just releasing new music under the Galactic Pegasus name? Well, a few things kind of happened with Galactic Pegasus. Um, I was not an original member of the band, but I had still played in the band for about six or seven years. And in that time, we had multiple member changes. Uh, We put out a record that we really didn't like. there was just like a whole ton of negative stigma around the project and we became like very deflated. We felt very negative. We were having big issues with our last vocalist that we had. Uh, We ended up removing him from the project and then that was kind of like the beginning of, okay, so we're really happy with the four of us, Andrew, Cooper, and Travis. And, um, you know, let's try and do something a little bit different. So I decided to make the switch to vocals, and that was like my first like really big changeover to do uh, vocals full time. And uh, that record, the last record we did with Galactic called Dysphoria, was probably like the biggest step into becoming Carcosa before we really knew it. And uh, we released that record; it felt pretty good. And then, you know the band had existed for almost 10 years and like we kind of maybe peaked already, like even before I was in the band. So we kind of felt like it was time to move on. And, uh, we decided to do this sneaky little breakup rebrand thing. And, you know, behind the scenes, we worked on Carcosa while GP was still a band for about a year. And then we did our final show. And at that point we already had the new Carcosa EP absent fully written and done we just needed to release oh, clever it. yeah that's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's genius yeah we're we're thinking far ahead so that you know we wanted to do our breakup show our final show and then basically just come out of the gate swinging like right away right so that was the plan the whole time and yeah that's where we are now now uh as you mentioned you 
weren't an original member member of Galactic Pegasus, and in fact, you uh, were playing guitar beforehand. I was playing bass. Oh, okay. And then uh, I have always been writing guitar. I always write a lot of the music as well. So, but live, I was playing bass. Gotcha. And uh, how long was the band together that became Carcosa? That was that final Galactic Pegasus lineup. Oh, not that long. Uh, probably a year and a half or something like that. Like a very short amount of time. And then, you know, yeah, we decided like, okay, this is it. We're, we want to move on and change our sound and do something a little bit more exciting that gets everybody excited, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah but you must have uh, felt lucky to a certain degree to be able to go, well, at least, you know, we're going to be able to move together into this new project. Yeah, I didn't want to do it with anybody else besides, you know, the boys that were already in Galactic. Like, we're, we still feel the same way in Carcosa. Like, we don't want to add anybody else we just want to keep it a four piece with the four of us like nobody else is that why you don't have a bassist because <laughs> i have to ask yeah. as a bassist i was just like i have to i have to address this anti-bassist discrimination yeah. within your band dude it's not even anti-bassist <laughs> it's more just like i uh, we love space and it's not anti-bassist it's anti-people <laughs> we don't want to bring more people into the fold to potentially ruin things or create a negative environment like i said like the four of us only have four seats in this van exactly well so much more space in a van too, oh yeah right? there you go yeah but like we don't want to uh, we don't want to like potentially you know put a snake in the grass and then mm-hmm. ruin everything yeah you know, again and we got to do this all over again we're really happy with the four of us and we just want to keep it that way and yeah the macbook does the bass things we also tune super How low dare man. you <laughs> we tune so low it's so unfortunate for a bass player to come in and play our stuff it's just inaudible you know it's sub frequencies <laughs> oh i know and there's 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 workarounds for for bass but at least it I, at least there's the bass on the recordings it's the, yeah that's live yeah. that's real not to call out any any specific bands but there's a couple bands out there where just drums and guitar and vocals and like yeah. hey there's something missing it's just you know that that thing yeah you know what it is it's like oh i see you have it on the recordings but you don't have any in your press photos what's that about exactly yeah i think we're gonna start putting our macbook in our press photos just might as well you oh, know? just give them a little beanie yeah something i don't know we'll make it work yeah um what's the the story behind the name carcosa i did some research and found found out that there's actually quite a bit of history attached to it yeah there's tons of history attached to the name um the name carcosa has a surprisingly extensive literary history the name itself originates from the short story an inhabitant of carcosa by ambrose bierce which was published in 1886 it refers to a mysterious fictional city and was later referenced in a book of short stories titled the king in yellow by robert w chambers published in 1895. Chambers' references to Carcosa would go on to become part of a legacy of writers and artists incorporating the name into their own works. The now legendary cosmic horror writer H.P. Lovecraft incorporated Carcosa into his Cthulhu mythos, and George R.R. Martin includes a city called Carcosa in his Song of Ice and Fire fantasy book series. Where we initially got it from was all of us are huge fans of the first season of True Detective. And uh, that is, like, one of the main areas of the show. I don't know if, if you ever watched the first season before. I've heard the first season's excellent. I still haven't seen it yet. But uh, I know I should because, like, I like good Matthew McConaughey, and I pretty much like everything Woody Harrelson's involved yeah. in. Yeah, so. it's a star-studded cast of, all, like, fantastic, um, fantastic uh, acting. 
But um, yeah, I won't fully ruin it for you then because I want you to watch it. But uh, yeah, there's this area called Carcosa and the, uh, the uh, antagonist in the show, he calls himself the Yellow King, which goes all the way back to an H.P. Lovecraft story that was written about Carcosa, this fantastical world that had the Yellow King. And it's very brutal. It's an awesome story. You should definitely check it out if you haven't. H.P. Lovecraft is way ahead of his time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like he's insane. Um, but yeah, so that was like where we came up with the name Carcosa and also the yellow branding because of the yellow king and like the spiral and all of that kind of stuff. We really wanted to attach our name to something so that people could remember it. So like we also realized that not a lot of bands use yellow. Like yeah, all, you're right. You know, so we're like, okay, we're yellow now. We're a yellow band. So yeah, we kind of just went off of that. But yeah, the main, the main, uh, it, it basically came from True Detective. Nice. I was going to say, I actually have uh, my sibling made a uh, Cthulhu mask for me. To awesome. Wear. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the color yellow, especially, like, uh, you point out something that uh, it's just nice to see metal bands, especially, use brighter colors sometimes. Yeah. Because I find sometimes it can even uh, it can even be, like, a good contrast for just, you know, the really heavy stuff yeah. going on as well. I mean, I like the typical you know white logo on a black shirt like, like you're wearing right else. now it's like i'm wearing right now before we were recording i was trying to guess the band name <laughs> and i didn't get even close yeah i mean you can't this this shirt <laughs> is, is crazy man intentional <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah like i don't know if you've seen any of our merchandise too but we do try and kind of go for like a lighter color scheme kind of mm-hmm. go outside the box a little bit and like that's also just the way fashion has been going too is like a little bit more brighter colors a little bit more uh, fluorescent I guess, and yeah, so that's a part of our angle as well, is be a little bit different and break out of the, the mold. Absolutely. And um, while, obviously, quarantine and public health restrictions have been challenging, to say the least, to deal with, mm-hmm. did, it, it, did it feel kind of metal in a way to be launching a band like this in the midst of a global pandemic? I mean, this is uh, probably the most apocalyptic shit that has happened to global society since probably World War II. That is 100% correct. Yeah, it felt... Um, it felt pretty crazy considering our first song we released was a plague, you know, like that was not intentional. <laughs> it just like came out that way. Right. That was our first song. And it's just all about like, you know, humanity being the biggest disease and poison to the earth. Like the earth doesn't want us here and it just doesn't give a shit if we leave. Right. Like it's kind of, it was kind of, you know, foreshadowing maybe for what was to come. But I imagine you wrote that like a year Dude, or more a full beforehand. year, yeah. a full year. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. But just the setting, I guess, I suppose, just thinking like, oh, wow, launching a project as brutal as this. Yeah. I mean, we felt pretty good about our sound moving into it. And, you know, like the way I am, like I don't like listening to happy music at all. It doesn't like evoke happiness for me. Like if I'm feeling a certain way, I want to hear aggressive and like pissed off and real music. And I feel like our music did that for a lot of people at that time because they were feeling, you know, mad at the world and mad at everyone and our music is kind of like that so kind of you know works works in our favor i guess for sure scratches an itch yeah. as it were now this is something that um i've been thinking about just because you know i uh and this might surprise some some listeners but i i enjoy quite metal quite a bit and for me i always found it weird uh you know reading and watching interviews that bands bid, did back in the day in like the 80s and early 90s that there was this 
ideological rift between punks and metalheads. Mm-hmm. But with genres like deathcore and metalcore, it seems like those gaps have been bridged, at least musically. What do you think it is about this fusion of death metal and hardcore that works so well as deathcore? Which is what you guys play. Yeah. Deathcore is one of the many subgenres that make up heavy metal music and is itself a fusion of death metal and hardcore punk. Some distinguishing characteristics of deathcore include down tuned death metal riffs, guttural vocals, blast beat drumming, and rhythmic passages called breakdowns. The style emerged in the early 2000s with bands including the Red Chord, Antagony, and Canada's own Despised Icon being cited as genre pioneers. Contemporary torchbearers include Job for a Cowboy, Suicide Silence, Chelsea Grin, and Whitechapel. Uh, I don't really know, man. Like, there's been multiple, or now we're on our second wave of Deathcore, right? Like, the first wave of Deathcore was the early 2000s, and since it was new, everybody hated it, right? There's always going to be that pushback. Always happens. Always, right? Because now we're in the midst of new metal nostalgia, which yeah. is hilarious. They're doing their... I've, I'm seeing on music blogs retrospective articles about... Corn and Limp Biscuit. I'm like, you were the same guys who were knocking these bands when they first came out. Yeah. But what they changed. They know how to work with the flow and like what's popular and talk positive, right? Like, oh yeah, they were always good. They were underrated or whatever, right? So that's kind of like where we're at with Deathcore as well, is like there was, you know, death metal bands back in the day being like, nah, Deathcore's dumb, like that's just, you know, a bunch of weird scene kids doing breakdowns and stuff. And, like, now a lot of us look back on the, that time, like, super fondly, and we're like, those are the godfathers. Those are the OGs. Like, that's why we're doing what we do is because of them. But it wasn't that way before, right? There was a huge divide between, like, hardcore kids and deathcore kids. They were like, no, nah, like, we can't, we can't hang. We can't be friends. But that's completely different now because there's so much deathcore that is fully inspired by hardcore music and then vice versa. You know, there's, like beatdown is basically hardcore but it's just you know down tuned and slower it's like we all are just together now doing all this stuff together which is great and uh, i don't really know why that is i feel like it's because like the younger generation of fans like don't give a shit about like other genres or like what they should and shouldn't listen to they're just gonna literally listen to whatever they want because they can you know they just want to consume all the media that exists anything that has shock value anything that's crazy like they just want it. They don't care what it's called, you know? Like, that's how I feel anyways. Because we have, like, a pretty diverse range of fans as well that, you know, they're metalcore kids that also like, you know, deathcore or vice versa or whatever, right? Like, I don't know. It's it's, it's pretty fun. I like it. I think you, you, you spoke to something that's definitely, I think, just changed uh, how people listen to and enjoy music and grow up with music. It's just the ease of access now. Exactly. With with, you know, and say what you will about the, the platform's business practices, but with streaming services like Spotify, mm-hmm. you can listen to anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can listen to anything, and it's also tailored to what you like. So if you're listening to something specific, Spotify is going to be like, hey, well, you might like this too. And we've seen our analytics from stuff like that. You know, people will be listening to something that might not be deathcore, but it shares like little shards of what we have and then people come and listen to us maybe they did, wouldn't have done that before you know we uh we we love that stuff man it, it helps us out immensely yeah i just love being able to just jump around because it's all it's all mood dependent for me or what yeah. i'm doing like i was rocking some any at work today yeah yeah <laughs> just because for me that's good work music just chill stuff for sure but, yeah uh gym or cardio or something like that yeah 
deathcore. It's good carcosa music. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, we're on the we're on the workout playlist. Perfect. The Spotify, like the, the, the ex- I think it's the extreme metal workout. Yeah. Which is like that's the best workout playlist title I've ever heard. Yeah. Right. And we have so many uh, listens just from that playlist. And I guess it makes sense because like yeah, when I want to lift or if I want to work out, I want to listen to heavy shit. You know, like I generally I don't listen to metal like when I'm around my house and stuff. I like lo-fi and I like to chill and listen to that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, if I want to go hard, like, let's go. Let's listen to something heavy and pump some weights. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For me, it's like it's either hip hop or or hard rock metal. Mm-hmm. I can't be listening to lo-fi beats while I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working clearly because of my noodle arms. But, you know, <laughs> trying my best to get swole. Exactly. <laughs> um, like many metal subgenres, because there's a lot and they keep growing new one pops up every single week mm-hmm. um there are some specific elements that make up the deathcore sound and i want to ask what do you guys do to separate yourselves from your contemporaries something that i am very very hell-bent on uh specifically with our sound is i really like um modern song structure i really like like the pop formula verse chorus bridge that kind of stuff um, except, you know, in Deathcore, our bridge is a breakdown. That's basically what it's it's uh, substituted for. But yeah, like when we're writing together, like usually it's kind of like a smorgasbord of a bunch of riffs that kind of are spread out a bit. And then I try my very best to puzzle it together to make it make sense and have flow. So I would say like our standard song structure is kind of what maybe separates us a little bit from other Deathcore bands where... You know, they're very, very breakdown focused and they're very like riff focused and not a lot of things repeat. And that's cool. That works for a lot of bands. There's bands that I like that do that. I just want us to be I want us to be as accessible in our most niche genre as possible. You know, like I want like kids who are used to like pop structure to be able to listen to a Carcosa song and feel its progression, you know, instead of just being like, ah, like confused. But that's how I am anyways with songwriting. Uh, just try and kind of keep it a little bit reformed, but I think that that gives us a little bit of an edge. And even just thinking about like some of the more chaotic bands I've listened to, go figure the, the, the music I remember the most from them and the music that I find myself going back to is the stuff that's a little bit more structured. Of course. Yeah. Like uh, an example, I'll, an album I'll, pull up as an example is uh, one of us is the killer by dillinger's escape plan oh yeah i like that album because it's heavy air quotes here they're most accessible because they're like okay the song structures are a little bit more coherent rather than you know being having your head thrown in a cement mixer which is what it usually feels like with the records yeah for sure but they still stayed pretty true to themselves while like expanding on their songwriting ability the song, like the title track, One of mm-hmm. Us is the Killer, is yeah. awesome song. But That's a song that you could hear on like the uh, local hard rock radio yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, it's super good. And I think that just shows like the versatility of a band if they're able to pull that out and do it well, right? And not have people being like, oh, they're not the same anymore. It's still Dillinger. It's just, you know, they're doing some other shit. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, well, just talking about Deathcore, of course. Yep. One of the most distinguishing features is you know truly brutal vocal style mm-hmm. especially since you didn't start on vocals with this project or with galactic pegasus yeah how did you go about training yourself to perform this way and what do you do to take care of your voice good question it's a question that i have answered a lot 
but I like answering it because I want people to know how to take care of yourself Good. doing these oh, vocals. Oh, it's important. Yeah. Um, you don't want to wind up like the guy from Sepultura who can barely talk. Exactly. That's years of doing it wrong, right? Um, but yeah, my vocal journey started, you know, from a traditional sense. Like I went to music school and I studied, you know, I was a guitar major, but I had to take vocal classes like ear training and stuff. And uh, I worked with a lot of really cool teachers that taught me really interesting and cool techniques to learn how to properly sing, like singing from your diaphragm and stuff like that. And I hadn't really fully ever done metal vocals at that point. That was like 2014. I listened to metal and I loved it, but I never really like knew the science of screaming. I kind of just did it and it didn't sound good, <laughs> but I was like, ah, whatever, I'll just sing instead. So like when I moved to Vancouver and I started, you know, playing with Galactic and stuff, I started to kind of focus on, you know, maybe I can do this and give it a shot and did some background vocals here and there. But, you know, I still didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and then when we ended up parting ways with our uh, last vocalist and I was like, OK, I'm going to do this. I basically just started experimenting as much as I could and consuming as much uh, as I could about vocals like I watched like a lot of Andy Sizak and um, just like YouTube guys showing me how to do vocals and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of where I started to really study it. And that was like, I don't know, maybe four years ago. And then I kind of just kept doing covers and, uh, you know, emulating vocalists that I liked. And I kind of somehow learned how to do some crazy stuff just from doing that. And then I learned how to take care of my voice because uh, my girlfriend, Charlie, shout out to her. She's also a fantastic vocalist. I started doing vocal lessons and warm-ups with her. And we do a lot of water bottle warm-ups, <clears throat> which is basically just doing um, interval blows through a straw into a water bottle for 25 seconds, 35, and 45. It works on increasing your lung capacity so that you can hold out longer, have better stamina. Oh, interesting. You know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So we've been doing that quite a bit, which has been great. And it also warms your throat up as well. So I usually do that about 15 minutes before I start recording vocals or, you know, performing and stuff like that. Um, when I was doing vocals for GP and we were playing live, that was definitely the biggest transition for me. It was like, okay, I can do these in studio, but can I do it live? And in the beginning, I had a really hard time. I was like, I don't know how to perform. And then also like, you know, keep my stamina so that's something that i've been working on throughout the pandemic as well is like trying to keep stamina keep moving and then like scream at a normal rate as well but yeah it's been a weird vocal journey for me yeah that's <laughs> it's a uh, something i can't even like begin to uh i it, it, it's all practice and training and stuff like that but that's something yeah. that i always have a marvel at is just guys being able to to and guys and girls just being able to express themselves in that way. Yeah. Vocally. Yeah. And it's been like pretty cool the past few years because there's kids that are actually like super focused on technique and it's not so much just like, I'm going to yell. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to yell. And this is how I make this sound like kids like dive into the theory of vocals as opposed to just being as raw as possible. Like this might be specific to deathcore in particular because it's such a vocal heavy subgenre. But I think that's really interesting because it was never like that before. It was just like I make toilet noises and I don't know how I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> and that's for me. And this is this is completely preferential. But I'm always more impressed by um, vocalists who are able to, you know, project in a very extreme way. But I'm able to, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, I'm able to get what the lyrics are. Yeah, because, for sure. Um, 
it adds to the intensity of what you're, what you're saying, which actually kind of segues to uh, my nice uh, my next question. I mean, mm-hmm. what are some of the subjects you tackle in your lyrics? I mean, I imagine expressing your emotions through the style can be very cathartic. Yeah, and that's exactly how I wrote our first record. Um, our first record is called Absent, and it's a um, it's a little concept record about basically two friends and uh one of the friends is struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts and it's basically a journey of that of that person's downward spiral into eventually taking their own life and every single song it just keeps getting worse and worse and it's based off of true experiences that i had personally in my life and that other people in my band had as well so that's how i write vocals and lyrics sorry i can't like I don't usually make stuff up. I have a really hard time doing that. And I have a lot to say about things that have happened in my life, you know, like like art comes from tragedy and that's how I feel like expressing it, right? So that whole Absent EP was just like, it was very cathartic because I got to get out a lot of things that I wanted to say and I wanted to dedicate it to those people that I had lost um, because of, you know, mental health issues and it's a very important record to me and to everybody in my band because we've all been touched by, you know, suicide and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> um, so for that EP specifically, that's what that whole thing is about. Is like, for me, it's like mental health awareness more than anything because we're in this new age now where we're trying to get rid of that negative stigma, and that's what I'm trying to do with that record. Is like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel this way. It's not a record that's saying kill yourself. It's quite the opposite. It's just like this creates such sorrow for people. Like, let's try and help each other as opposed to, you know, shoving people away and making them feel like they're trapped. Right. I want to make I want people to feel okay with saying, you know, how they feel. Um, But with our recent release um, anthology, it was obviously half of the record was absent and the other half was new music. With the new music, I ended up uh, writing, basically each song is a separate story, hence the name Anthology. And it's like fixated on stories like an H.P. Lovecraft story called Hypnos and uh, Kill Bill and, you know, a movie uh, called The Saint Yellow Mod. and the Black. Yeah, there you, go. you got it, right? It worked out pretty well. So those new songs are definitely a little bit more fun. But it was because like we were on time constraints and uh, I didn't have time to fully work on a concept. So I was just like, ah, oh, fuck it going to write about things that i like and that's what i ended up doing for that so right now it's a bit of a melting pot but i'm gonna try and stick to doing conceptual stuff because it's a challenge for me because i think writing conceptual music is really hard so i want to keep one up in myself if i can you know if there's a record i like and i find out after the fact that it was a concept record at least in terms of like the lyrical progression i'm always i my love for it deepens right doesn't yeah. it make you want to listen to it again Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Or even um, just because I'm like a, a classical music, like uh, film score guy, I really like motifs as well. Oh, like, motifs are great. Yeah. Like bring back melody. I want to hear that again. You know, like that stuff gets me excited. Well, that's one of the things that uh, makes The Wall by Pink Floyd so brilliant is the motifs. Exactly. That are, th- that are there throughout. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. That's we did. I ended up writing a motif for absent where it's at the beginning of the record, just an acoustic guitar thing. It's in reverse, but at the end of the record, it comes back the normal way that I played it. But if you listen to the record on a loop, it's a continuous loop. 
So like when the record ends, it comes all the way back and it starts over again, like seamlessly. You guys should try and, I mean, it's already up on Spotify and streaming services, but if you guys can figure this out, you should. Um, the band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, yeah. they're all Nonagon Infinity. They figure out a way through Spotify to have it so the record never stops playing. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how, how you could do that, but I'm sure there's a way you could figure out a way to do that. I think you can set like the transition time in between songs to be like seamless. Oh, I'm okay. pretty sure. It's like uh, iTunes back in the day. You could do the same thing. Mm. Yeah, so that's probably how they figured it out is my guess. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you need to do that. It's just that thinking. I think it's cool. Thinking out loud. I would want to do that. That's exciting to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of anthology, I want to know more about the recording process. I know it was produced by Ty Kingston, who I understand has played, uh, played in bands including Bastion and Take the Earth Beneath Us, though I yep. had trouble finding out more information about his portfolio. So want to learn a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what Ty has done. Um, are those projects like take the earth he played in for a long time they did a lot of touring in their heyday and they were a really fucking cool band man like a lot of people in the scene back in the day like really enjoyed their music and um you know i play in bastion with ty as well and that was kind of like his next thing after that and it's like a continuation but it's definitely a little bit more reformed but ty is a fantastic songwriter um first and foremost like besides him being a producer his songwriting ability is really good and his vision of how things should sound is awesome, and that's a big reason why we ended up going with him uh, as a producer for Carcosa. We were, like, for for lack of a better term, we were auditioning producers for a bit. We were sending stems out to a few guys and uh, getting mixes back and kind of deciding who we wanted to go with. And uh, I was like, well, Ty is really good, and he does all the Bastion stuff, so let's send it to Ty. And I think we went through about six people, and Ty still sounded the best. They still sounded unique. And we're like, all right, we're going with Ty. And it was great because, like, I already play in a band with Ty. He lives right down the street from me. I can go to I can go to his place if I want. Like, you know, you like him as a person. Exactly, which is important, you know. Like, it's, it's hard when you're working with a producer that's overseas because you can't really get a vibe of, like, do they really like it? Do they care enough? You are, they know? Just, do, are they just looking for a buck? <laughs> exactly. Is it bills to pay? Yeah. And like Ty is not that guy at all. He genuinely cares. He wants his name, you know, to be associated with the project in a positive light. So he really works his ass off. And like he is way too good to us, man. He charges us not enough for what he does because he's so good at it. And he works out of his like his bedroom in his house he doesn't have a fancy studio man he just does it all on his own and that's kind of the thing with our project is we're very diy we always have been um so yeah ty's the best man he uh he's he's an amazing producer he's a great person i genuinely love the guy and yeah we're super lucky to have the guy on our side for sure so i imagine it was a fairly painless process then oh super painless i mean to a point the the problem with the problem with us is uh, Cooper, Andrew, and I are all producers in our own right, and we all do stuff on our own. Like, I record all the vocals at my house. Andrew uh, does all the final guitar recording at his. Cooper does all the electronic and orchestral mixing by himself. So Ty has to get stems from all three of us. So it's just, like, huge sessions of tons and tons of stems, right? So he has to try and, like, make all of these stems make sense. And sometimes they don't make sense, and we have to explain to Ty what the fuck is going on, you know? 
<clears throat> so I feel bad for Ty. It's like working on a puzzle, blindfolded. <laughs> exactly. A puzzle that you don't even know what it looks like. You're just trying to figure it out. So Ty is, is great for that. But yeah, that's like an, an, an issue, I guess, that we're trying to make a little bit more seamless. Just so that Ty doesn't want to pull his fucking hair out at the end of the day. He's got a lot of hair, too. I've seen photos. so Yeah, he does, man. So let's keep it his all hair's gotten his longer, so that would take some time. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, the writing process uh, throughout COVID has been a little bit frustrating because absent, we wrote all together. And that was a big thing that we wanted to ensure with Carcosa as opposed to Galactic Pegasus is uh, GP, we wrote everything but on our, like by ourselves. So uh, I would write a song on my own. I'd send it to the band. They either like it or they don't. Uh, Andrew would do the same. Cooper would do the same. And it kind of created this like inconsistency with the sound. Um, it was very hard to, you know, every record sounded different, right? So with Carcosa, we were like, okay, let's do this all together. Let's write in the same room and make the sound cohesive as possible. Which was a big change for all of us, I think. Specifically myself, because I wasn't used to writing in a room with other people. But it started to work, and we had created a really good flow. So the problem with COVID is during that second lockdown, we couldn't see each other at all. It had been like five, six months. So we needed songs. So we kind of had to, you know, revert back to what we used to do. So, like, I wrote Vermin fully on my own. Um, Cooper wrote Desensus fully on his own. And then uh, the one song we actually got to collab on was Hypno uh, was Hypnos, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was frustrating, man, because like we wanted to work in the same room, and we made that decision as a group, you know, a full year ago. But we couldn't really do it because of restrictions. But we made it work. We we made it happen. But yeah, just not the way we wanted, I guess. Through fire and fury. <laughs> exactly. Persevere. Listening through anthology, I noticed that uh, you know songwriting is very dynamic, and you incorporate electronic textures and additional instrumentation. Uh, and this specifically reminded me of the record uh, "Underneath" by the industrial metalcore band Code Orange, which had a really int- own its own really interesting history. Okay, um, and it got me thinking. And this is a, a, a big question. Yeah, yeah, with no clear answer, but. Does the future of metal lie in a fusion with the more aggressive styles of electronic music? Potentially. Um, I don't know if that's the angle that we take. And this would be a good question for Cooper because Cooper is our electronic guy. Like, he lives in that world. That's the world that he loves to work within. Is he's a huge Mick Gordon fan. I don't know if you know who Mick Gordon is, but Mick Gordon did the whole newest or Doom twenty sixteen. So he incorporates like really, really Oh yeah, that soundtrack is just amazing. Yeah. So that's Doom Slayer. Yeah, that's where like that whole influence comes from, right? And it's like a mixture of super heavy, like OG dubstep inspired synth and metal. And uh, I think for us, that's definitely a part of it. And it was also something that we borrowed from a band called Brand of Sacrifice, is they incorporate all of those sounds as well. And we loved that about that band. So we're like, fuck, let's do it too. Like, it's so cool. The record they dropped this year is nuts. Yeah. I think my, my roommate showed me, uh, I think it was randomly, we were like, uh, we were driving to like the, the grocery store. He's just like, check this shit out. And I was like, what the fuck? What yeah. the hell is this? Dude, in my opinion, and we, we love these guys. We had Kyle Feature on uh, the Redux that we did for our Scars 
we love them uh but like they are the definition in my opinion of what modern deathcore is like they are like the kings of that sound the demon kings exactly (laughs) exactly it's fucking crazy it's intense but it also isn't just one thing it's a beautiful blend of like electronic and symphonic music you know i also just love how kind of not entirely but a little bit off brand their album covers are yeah their their album covers look a little bit more power metal than you'd expect right i think that's their their strong anime influence right because a lot of their stuff is about animes and oh stuff like that. well the um and i think this is part of the reason my my roommate latched onto it is we're, we both like anime and we both really like the 90s uh berserk show yeah and right. that's literally like what most of their lyrics and their band names from exactly so. So, yeah, they're even breaking the mold doing that. And I think their artwork and their merchandise reflects it as well, you know? Yeah, and actually, I was going to ask, like, how did you get connected with uh, Kyle from uh, Brand of Sacrifice? And also, you know, you had a a number of other guest vocals on the latter half of the album as well, including Charlie P.S., who is my girlfriend. girlfriend. There you go. I like that song quite a bit, Absent Post. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, like, how did you go about getting all these different people on the on the record and what did they what did they add to the process it was it was it was a mixture of two things it was really fun getting uh getting all the homies on and it was also stressful because like we set deadlines for ourselves and uh we were trying to get like a lot of people that we wanted and some of them like wouldn't get back to us in time or you know would fall through or something so luckily we have really really great friends like kyle and uh ricky from up sulfur uh, they just wanted to do it, which was awesome. Like, we had become really good friends with all of those guys, and uh, they were just pumped to do it. And that, to me, is more important than being like, we got this name. I wanted people who would be excited to do it. Like, the parts that I thought of, I was like, this is perfect for this vocalist. Like, I really wanted Ricky to do the part that I gave him because I knew he could nail it. Same thing with Kyle. I knew Kyle would slay the yeah, R you know, thing. You know Kyle would slay it. Exactly. He's gonna I could throw whatever I wanted at him, but like that I was like, here you go. I actually sent him like I did like a big no no for features. So like for feature work, never send the artist like a whole song to do. Like give them a specific part and be like, do this. Don't be like, Oh yeah, just do the whole song. But I kinda like gave him half the song by accident. I was like, it'd be cool if you could do all of this. And he just did it. And I was like, oh, dude, wow. thank God. Yeah, I was super pumped that he did that. Um, but, yeah, like getting a guy like Ricky Hoover was a big deal for me because, like, I'm an, an original MySpace kid and I loved Suffocate and all that stuff. So that was really cool. And I'm also a massive Reflections fan. So getting Jake Wolf on there was a big deal for me because I was like, you know, The Color Clear is one of my favorite records of all time. So getting him on the record was very, very important to me. And, um, yeah, so for Chad from Frontier and Charlie, both of those things kind of happened in a strange way where our manager, Brad, was like, hey, I can, we were trying to find people to get on this last song. And I was like, I really, really want a female vocalist for it specifically. And um, we were going to have Lauren Babick, but things fell through with Lauren Babick, so we couldn't get that to happen. But it was very last minute that that happened. So we're like, oh, damn, we got like a week to figure this out. And Brad was like, all right, well, I can get Chad. Chad will do it for sure. And Chad was pumped. And I was like, why didn't we think of Chad before? Because <laughs> he nailed his part. It was so cool. It's so different from what I do. And that's why I like it so much. And, uh, yeah, so for Charlie, I, f- I felt really bad because 
you know, we obviously live together and I was like, Hey, so what are you doing right now? <laughs> and I was like, I need this part. No pressure. Yeah. But no pressure, but I need you to nail this in a, in like two days. And she I was will make dinner for you for a month. <laughs> she was not pumped because I threw this on her and it was like a difficult part to sing. Like when I sang it in the original, it was a full octave below what she sings. So she had to belt the whole thing. Right. And I kind of like, you know, threw her right into the fire, like, hey, can you figure this out? And she did, and she recorded it so many times. Like, there's so many layers that she ended up recording, like, multiple, multiple double-track harmonies and stuff. So she nailed it. She knocked it out of the park, and it made me feel bad because I was like, man, we should have just gone with her, like, from the beginning, you know, because I think she nailed the emotion of that part, like, perfectly. And a lot of people really like that song even more now because of what she did, so... I'm super pumped that she's on it and it's like a it's a very emotional song for us as well. So Yeah, I mean I always love uh the I, I love contrast in, in metal vocals as well. I mean one of my favorite guys ever is, is Chino Marino just because with his oh, own yeah. range he can do great we were talking about Dillinger's Skate Plan, uh, of course, you know, Greg from mm-hmm. Dillinger. Um but I also love it when you'd have like the male female contrast on metal songs as well. Like I and our producer Mark can probably testify to this. My roommate could probably can testify to this as well, and probably say, "Yeah, he never shuts up about this guy." Like I love Devin Townsend, of and, course, I, and yeah. I love, I love, you know, that I can't re- recall her name unfortunately, but there's a number of songs he's done with, uh, with a European vocalist. Yeah, the, the German girl, German gal. Like, Is her name German's, Angela? Angela something. Yeah. Yeah. She's great, and She's just fantastic. the contrast between the two is just wonderful. Yeah, I always love watching that Live in London DVD that he did. The with, Retinal Circus, yeah, I think. Yeah. The num- like numbered, the song numbered oh, that man. she does. It's so amazing. Yeah, she's a fantastic vocalist. But yes, I do like that contrast as well. That's why I wanted a female vocalist on that part. Oh, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of stuff we've got to talk about just in terms of how you guys have been able to you know, successfully build a following, especially in a situation in which, oh, you can't play shows or, or tour or do much right. of anything. So um, I want to start with, you know, the band has built an impressive catalog of merchandise available online, mm-hmm. including limited edition items such as uh, Pink Geary had available for Valentine's Day and summer wear, including branded flip-flops. Yes. <laughs> uh, who is the mastermind behind your merch? And what do you guys do to keep your product line fresh for your fans? So, once again, this is a fantastic question for Cooper, and I will always throw praise where praise is due, and Cooper is Cooper, Cooper is basically our moneymaker, because he comes up with every single merch design that you've ever seen, has basically been Cooper's brainchild. Like what you hear and would like to support Carcosa directly? Then head on over to CarcosaBC.com and check out their merch store. Right now you can shop limited run Goosebumps style hoodies, shirts, and crop top pullovers, score your very own Carcosa branded ski mask, or pre-order their debut record anthology on special red, black, and yellow paint splattered vinyl. You can find all this merch and more only at CarcosaBC.com. He does all of the sourcing for the material, and then we print uh, locally with Prince of Darkness. Um, Cooper has just this like sixth sense for for fashion and merchandising right now, and he's just on fire. Like it was his idea to do the limited drops. Like we don't have we don't order 
like a shit ton of merch and then it sits in a warehouse. We do those limited drops because we can order the exact amount that we need as opposed to wasting a bunch of stuff. We do have in stocks, but those aren't like our most exciting, most desirable um, options. It's I black say. shirts that are the in stocks. It's black or it's yellow, you yeah. know? So we really like doing like the Valentine's Day drop because yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's pink. It's fun. It's like you never you might not see this again. It's like the the exclusivity of it is like, OK, this drop will probably never do again. So if you want it, you got to get it right fucking now. You got two weeks to buy it. Right. It's like merchandising 101. It's like, you know, it's still here because no guarantees. Exactly. And if we can't tour and create tour exclusive merchandise, this is our way of doing it, right? It's to create hype around releases. It's to stay relevant when we don't have music. It's to release merchandise. And, yeah, that's all Cooper, man. Like, he is awesome with that. We're very, very lucky to have a guy like Cooper who uh, is always on that. That's basically his full-time job right now is merchandise he ships everything himself too right so like he picks everything up from the printers and he packages all of it and ships it all himself like we don't work with a broker we don't really work with like indie merch or anybody it's like all cooper from his house just just send emails in advance to your fans go hey so we're dealing with the pandemic you might have to wait an extra week yeah that's kind of what happens it's kind of what's happening with our uh, vinyl um is the vinyl production all across the world is just fucked right now yep you know what i'm saying like it's brutal so people have to be patient with us with that, but we're also doing it ourselves. So, you know, that's how it is. You better launch that uh, Black Friday stuff sooner rather than later. Exactly. <laughs> I heard this Christmas is going to be kind of dicey. It's going to be for shipping. nuts. So, yeah, I think we're trying to get stuff out before is the goal, but we'll see. We'll see what Cooper says. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, – did you guys do any do a Christmas exclusive stuff last year? I don't think we did. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't think we did anything specifically. But we'll probably do some stuff with reindeer skulls or some sort of something shit. Something like that. Or maybe just like red and green specifically yeah, or ugly Christmas sweaters or hey, something like Krakow's that. Hey, Krakow's ugly Christmas sweater. Exactly. I've always wanted to get a Krampus Christmas sweater. Hell yeah. That'd be dope. <laughs> yeah. Krampus has become my... Uh, the two, 2015 Adam Scott Krampus movie has like become my my christmas movie some people are like oh christmas carol or it's a wonderful life it's like yeah. no i want to watch this like christmas horror. This christmas horror movie because yeah. it's fun exactly yeah uh you also uh launched your own facebook fan club called the carcosa cult that's uh the word cult spelled with a v yeah and true cult yeah true cult <laughs> true cult <laughs> uh, in March of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for fans of the band who haven't joined yet, what are some of the perks that come with membership? Um, so what we've been doing, kind of just talking about merchandise, is with those exclusive merch drops, we usually drop them about three days before it goes live to everybody so that our fan base can get the first crack at it. And um, we're, we're also like all personally very, very active in that group. We kind of wanted to build like a very good sense of community with our fans. Like if they have questions or if they want to get to know us more as people, that's the place where we can do it. You know, that's like a place where the band feels comfortable talking to, you know, real true cult fans of the band. And it's not like, you know, like responding to like Instagram DMs or like comments. It's like a real like interaction with people. You know, we did, like, uh, the day we released Anthology, we did a, an exclusive live stream there. All that kind of stuff, so. Like, Reddit AMAs, but on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. But, like, you know, we don't care how many people are in there. We're glad that there's as many people in there as there is. But 
it's just fun to interact with people who genuinely like what you do and you know they want to get to know you as people and we're happy to oblige i just want to be connected i really want to like get rid of that like artist veil you know what i mean like i don't want to be like viewed as like somebody to put on a pedestal like i'm just like a fucking dude like i'm a guy that like collects fucking toys and shit you know like i'm not anybody crazy i'm just like a dude that makes you know noises with my mouth like let's just all hang out and have a good time you know yeah i think this this might just me be a me thing but maybe it just comes from uh maybe just you know growing up a bit because you get you get out of that oh you know all my all the musicians i love are like these god warriors or whatever For sure yeah. but also like yeah, you, you, you interview enough people, and you're like, oh, these are just people. Yeah, you're all just people. And, like, I can tell you, like, firsthand, there's so many of, like, band dudes that just want to be viewed as normal people. Like, yeah, sure, there's some, like, you know, egomaniacs that want to be put up on a and I never, I never got to talk to Prince, not knocking Prince. But, oh, you know, no. Prince is Prince. <laughs> what do you think that interview would have been like, though? Like, who knows? Like, maybe he would have been an asshole and you never want to meet him again. I, I hope he would have been nice. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. I hope so, too. But it's sometimes it's like the don't meet your heroes thing, you know? It yeah. sucks. It's happened before and it'll happen again. But, yeah, like, I like there's a tons of people that just want to be chill and just hang out and have nice conversations and, you know, not be like worshiped, I guess, you know, like in that way, it's kind of, it's awkward, you know? Cause it's almost like if you, if you encounter someone who's, who's too into it, you're probably talking to Morrissey. So maybe you shouldn't be talking. Exactly. Woo. <laughs> 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 yeah. Swish. <laughs> and that's how I guarantee I'll never get to talk to Morrissey. Yeah. I do like the Smiths, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, Let's see. Oh, uh, again, just, you know, promotion, all that stuff. Uh, the band's guitarist, uh, Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, has his own YouTube channel, which yep. he uses to promote the band along with his own music and content. Mm-hmm. Carcosa guitarist, Andrew Baena, has his own YouTube channel where you can find instrumental covers and playthroughs of metal songs, metal covers of pop music, and tons of fun videos featuring Andrew's bandmates. I would definitely recommend checking out the video Carcosa Gets Spicy, Hot Ones Hot Sauce Challenge, which I reference in our interview. You can find all these videos and more at Andrew Baena on YouTube. That's Baena spelled B-A-E-N-A. What have been some of the most memorable videos that you have collaborated on? Now, I have one in, I, I'm thinking of, but I'm oh, sure you got some others. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious of, of what yours is, because, like, yeah, Andrew and I have done so much work together over the years now, it's hard to remember everything, like... Uh, one of the ones that I really liked that we did together was we did a Meshuggah compilation of like uh, the evolution of Meshuggah basically from the oh, beginning. Oh, that's fun, dude! It was one of the hardest videos we ever made because it was it's Meshuggah. It takes it's so hard to fucking play. Like, basically, it felt like I had to relearn how to play guitar almost. Why is this in twelve eight and that bar's in seven eight and yeah? Ah. Like, why can't I remember anything? But why can't you write normal Meshuggah? Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's what makes them cool. But, yeah, like, we just slaved away over that video. Like, we did it, like, nine hours straight. And, like, the thing with that is, you know, we've done videos like that before where you work really hard on it and you're like, this is going to be sick. And then no one gives a shit. It's just, like, so typical, you know. Like, we like it, but nobody else seems to care. But with that video, it did well. So we were like, oh, thank God, because we, like, died over it, right? Well, you, you picked a band that people know. Exactly. So, like, you know, maybe we were setting ourselves up. But we've done it before. We're like, oh, okay, I guess no one cares. But, um, yeah, that's definitely one of them. 
and like we used to do the pickup lines on YouTube specifically, or like the uh, breakdown callouts. Sorry, that's where it started before we moved on to TikTok. So those were pretty fun to do, but yeah, that's that's probably mine. I'm curious as to what yours is. <laughs> well, I was thinking of those like uh, Truth or Dab. Oh my the, god, the, the, uh, the hot ones, the hot ones uh, spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which initially, when I looked at that title, I was just like, are they gonna? Play truth or dare, and then do dabs. Like this is gonna get really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> They're gonna be just drooling messes on cameras. Like man, I don't even know where I am. Uh, we kind of still were, but <laughs> with hot sauce, you know. Yeah, dude. Another way to mess up your brain. Oh, dude, that video was hard to do. I completely like. I knew that the bomb was gonna be really bad, but I didn't know it was gonna be that bad. Like it fucked me up. So yeah, I wanna I wanna learn a little bit more about that hot sauce because yeah. uh, you know. I know plenty of people are into hot sauce. It's one of my friends actually worked at like a hot sauce shop at Tuas and Mills, just like a shopping mall that for listeners who are curious. Anyways, yeah. and I know there's one hot sauce he told me about called uh, Grenade, which like came in like basically like just like a like a, a vial you'd find at like a mad scientist lab, and it's just like one drop and you you die. Yeah, let's but go. Da bomb. Like, what's the? Because you slathered your hot wings in that, and that probably was a. It was a big mistake. A, a big mistake. It was so bad, dude. Like, I've watched enough hot ones to know how bad that sauce is. But for some reason, I was just like, let's fucking go. Like, I was just like, let's do oh, it. I can handle this. Content, man. And I love hot sauce. Like, I have no problem with hot sauce. But that one was like, it took me through, like, so many emotions. It was like, it fills your mouth and it doesn't go away. And it tastes like shit. And it, it's just hot and it tastes bad. There's nothing enjoyable about it. Like, literally no redeemable qualities. Like, I don't know what I would put it on. I don't know what else it would be used for. Besides fucking torture, basically, but like scaring away bad dinner guests, I suppose. Oh, yeah, no, try this hot sauce. You'll yeah, love it. Never come back again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, I had a rough night that night. I couldn't sleep. It was like I could feel it in my stomach. It was so painful. It's it, literally just like the alien baby, just dude. <laughs> it's basically exactly what it was. I couldn't fucking lie down. I had to like sit up and God. I was having like existential <laughs> dread, man. I was like, I can never do this again. But, yeah, don't have that hot sauce if you can't handle heat, that's for sure. And, like, if you're going to have it, have, like, a dime size. Don't be an idiot like me. My, my hope <laughs> is the company that, that produces that, like, leans into, like, oh, this will fuck you up. Dude, they definitely do. Especially since, like, Hot Ones has taken off. They're like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. Like, this just tastes like shit. Hot Ones is great. I really got to watch more of it because uh, the best part is, like, who surprises you on that show. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Lord can really handle her hot sauce because she did not flinch at all. No. Nah. I mean, Guy Fieri, I'm less surprised about, but I do love how he's the fucking man about it. Yeah, but then, then you know, watch, like... Drink some water now. Did you watch Gordon Ramsay? Yeah. <laughs> he goes insane. He's losing his baby. mind. Yeah, and it's you're like, like... Oh, no, it's too hot. <laughs> and he's, like, lathering everything with lime and lemon juice and stuff to cut it, and I'm like, oh, dude, you're insane. Dude, you're a... What is it, Blue Ribbon Chef or something yeah, like that? Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, Hot Ones is great, man. It's a good show. Let's see. Oh, and this is actually something that you alluded to. Speaking of video content, mm-hmm. um, the Kirkosas built a pretty sizable following through TikTok, mm-hmm. which is remarkable in many ways, considering how new, relatively speaking, the social media platform is, and considering how, obviously, niche Deathcore can be. Right. How has the band been able to utilize this platform to connect with fans and grow your audience? It's a really good question. Um so, yeah, we get asked about TikTok a lot because there's a lot of people that really don't know too much about it because they look at it 
um, for like a face value thing. They see like cringy kids dancing and doing weird shit and they're like, that's not for me. Totally fair enough. I 100% get that. But it's also a completely untapped market of people who are like dying for new things to listen to. And especially music like Deathcore that is so based on shock value. It's like, you know, with Lorna Shore doing crazy fucking pig noises and snarling. Like that was eaten up on TikTok because kids are like, I've never heard music like this before. What the fuck is this? You know what I mean? So like it works. And those people want to consume that music and they want to hear new stuff. So the thing with Andrew and I's TikTok is that we try and really separate Carcosa from TikTok. I know this might be a little bit confusing, but like we want those two things to be different. We don't want people to get them confused because like what Andrew and I do on TikTok is more comedy based and just fucking around. It's like a fun thing where Carcosa is our serious project. So the way that we've been marketing Carcosa on that is, you know, we'll either wear our own merch or we'll, or kids will genuinely be like, do you have a band? Where can I hear more music like this? And we're like, okay, well, ah, Carcosa is our it's band. It's a funnel, basically. It's straight up a funnel. And we've literally seen direct correlations between like when a video goes viral on TikTok and our Spotify analytics, they go up in the same day. Like I remember when uh, one of our pickup lines it had like 13 million views or whatever. And we literally had more streams on a Carcosa song that day than the day of release. Which wow, is crazy. That's nuts. So like TikTok has totally been benefiting us, like all across the board, just from like personal accounts and all that kind of stuff to Carcosa. But yeah, we're really trying to find walk that fine line of like keeping it separate from each other just because like one is meant to be art and taken seriously, and the other one is just us being idiots, you know what I mean? I guess also because you don't wanna completely undercut, you know, the very serious image that you put across with uh, your music videos and your photos and exactly. stuff like that. Because, yeah. like, there are plenty of bands that, like, they, they have heavy, heavy, loud, crazy music, and but you know that all their music videos are goofy, like Protest the Hero. For all sure. All their music videos are goofy. They just, they lean into that. But yeah. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm an idiot normally. Like, I'm a fuck. I like, <laughs> I like stupid shit. Like, but you want to look scary. I want to look scary. Videos. I want people to be scared. But, like, no, I want uh, I just want our music to be taken seriously. That's, like, the biggest thing. Like, you know, before we were in a band that our name was kind of a joke. You know, Galactic Pegasus is a pretty crazy name, right? And people would either check us out because they thought we would be bad because our name was crazy or they just, like, wanted to know what we were all about, right? And that's cool. That worked in its own right. But having a more serious project means a lot more to us, I think. And yeah, trying to separate it from like, you know, we do weird shit on TikTok till we make real music. That's kind of like a fine line that we're walking. So we're trying to keep it that way. And also like Carcosa, where there's two other people in the band too, right? Like we don't want to, Andrew and I don't want to make it all about ourselves. Like this is a democracy. Like we're all, you know, relishing in our own success together as a group. And then Andrew and I do our own thing on the side. That's kind of like how we view it anyways. Yeah, fair enough. But there's a, yeah, there's definitely a, uh, I think you touched on the fact that it's, it's very much an untapped market because uh, I'm in a couple bands and at least one of my bands were racking our brains going like, okay, what, what can we do? Because mm-hmm. we know it's like fine. We know we got to be funny, but like someone's got to be able to edit in the band. and ah. Yeah. But then like if you're on the platform, you see like some of the most simplest videos are the ones that do the best. It can be like such a simple idea, but it's so simple that it's relatable and that's what works, right? Like 
It's kind of like what I was talking about with uh, YouTube videos that Andrew and I did before where we think about it really hard and then it doesn't do well. I feel like it's kind of the same thing with TikTok is like maybe the less you think about it, the better it'll be, you know? Yeah. Spur of the moment, I guess, is kind of the key term. Yeah. Yeah, for Never, sure. Like I, uh, like a goofy po- photo I came up with yesterday. Tons yeah. of people liked it and it was planned in like two seconds. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Throw, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, right? Precisely. In a number of your videos, I can see that your personal studio space uh, has Montreal Canadiens gear on full display. Correct. And I also noticed, uh, and this is not this comment might not translate well on a podcast, but I also noticed your Jacques Plant yeah. hand tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan, yeah. I was I will admit I was absolutely cheering for the Habs in the playoffs last season, yeah. especially at the expense of the Maple Leafs. Of course. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're recording this uh, I basically that the 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 day of the start of the most recent NHL season. Yeah. How do you think the team is going to do this year? And I hope this isn't too much of a bummer question. But uh, Montreal, yeah. specifically? Um, I'm a little bit worried um, with the current state of affairs in Montreal. Um, there's a lot of guys in the lineup that I like have full belief in. I really hope Drewen has his bounce-back season. Um, he needs it for himself. Um I love the young core that we have yeah, in Montreal. Suzuki and Caulfield. Like Suzuki signed for eight years today. It's awesome. There you go. He signed an extension. That's great. Yeah, we got Caulfield, who's so exciting to watch. The most exciting young prospect I've watched in my in my lifetime, I think, as like a Montreal Canadiens fan. And, uh, you know, like Jake Evans, too, and all those guys. Like, I, I really like Jake Allen as well. I think he's a great goaltender. I don't know if he's going to be able to carry the team through, you know, what Carey Price is going through. But we'll have to see. I don't know, man. Like, I could either see them, like, barely sneaking into playoffs or not making it at all. Like, I've been setting the bar pretty low just because, like, I have no idea, dude. Like, this season compared to last season, it's night and day. We were playing Canadian teams only, you know? Like, we played Vegas and Tampa. That was it. Kicking the Canucks ass more often than I'd like, but... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dude, like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but, like, I I, I grew up in British Columbia, I'm not, like, from Montreal. People ask me that all the time. I literally was born and raised in in British Columbia. But I was surrounded by Vancouver fans all the time. And, like, there's a lot of part-time Vancouver fans, and there's a lot of full-time ones. But the part-time ones drove me nuts to where I hated them. I hated the fan base. I was like, fuck Vancouver. Like, I don't like them. Like, I was a goalie growing up, so I always, like, was fascinated by, like, the goalies that Montreal had. That's why I became a Montreal fan. Some of the best just ever. Yeah. Like I'm a, I was a diehard Jose Theodore fan. He was my hero growing up. I love Jose Theodore, so like that's who I latched on to. Um, but I still respect all teams in the NHL because I'm a hockey guy first and foremost. So like, you know, I don't like the fan base that much, but it doesn't mean like I hate the team and the and the players on the Canucks. It's just like you know, that's just the way I am with hockey. Oh yeah, especially if you're a fan of a if you're a fan of a certain player on a team that you like, and he winds up going to another team, you're probably still like. Uh, I hope he, he does okay. I, I hope, hope he team, wins. Yeah, it'd be nice know? to see him win something. Yeah, but at the same time, if it was somebody like Carey Price and they went to another team and they won, I would be like, damn, man. Like, I wish that was with us, though. Like, yeah. I want him to get his cup, but at the same time, I want it to be with, you know, the CH. That's what I want. Yeah, oh, dude, and just, like, seeing the Habs in the final, like, I think it was a long shot, but I was just like, you know what? If, if any Canadian team is going to win that next one, 
I, I have no problem with it being the Habs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean, I appreciate that as a Habs fan. That's yeah. obviously what I want to hear. But, yeah, dude, I was saying this to somebody else recently, but, like, obviously, you know, they went to the finals, and it was, ex- it was exciting, but it was the most excited I've ever been watching hockey in my life just because I, like – Montreal was just like doubted on the entire time. The first round series, they're like, they're not making it out. Toronto's three one kill against them. Toronto. They're, oh, they're get done. Crushed. That's it. And then like the fact that they came back in that way and like crushed their hopes and dreams. <laughs> that's what I wanted. That's exactly what I wanted. Uh, and then yeah, it's like oh Winnipeg, they'll steamroll them. They just beat Edmonton and they sweep them. And they're like oh they're playing an American team now. Vegas is gonna kill them. And then they totally didn't. So I was just having a blast, man. Yeah. I was having a, a great time. I'm still happy with you know how far they got, even though the finals wasn't obviously what we wanted. But well, and I'm I'm also glad that uh, yeah I can go see hockey games this, yeah, this season. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely want to make my way down to Seattle and catch some games down there. Oh, when dude, we, me when too. we can go. I I feel that it was a missed opportunity. I love the Kraken name. I love the logo. I think they did everything right. Yeah. But there's a little bit of me. It's like. You call them yourselves the Seattle Grunge. You had the worst plaid jerseys ever. It would have been so funny. Maybe they'll do like a plaid jersey night or something. Who knows? They have a lot of opportunities to do some cool shit there in Seattle. I think their goal song might be Lithium by Nirvana, and that makes me so happy. Is it actually? I think it might be. I was hearing that during like a preseason game. I'm like, okay. That's cool. <laughs> Dude, that is really cool, man. It's been yeah, that team that area deserves an NHL franchise. I'm really glad they got one. I yeah, think it's gonna me too. whether they're like gonna be good or not, I think it's just gonna be super cool for them. Like what a dope place to go see a hockey game. Oh yeah, I love Seattle. Yeah. I love um I love that city. Obviously love a lot of bands there and just uh yeah, seeing uh there there being a because I've only the only other team I've ever seen uh, the Canucks play outside of Vancouver was Vegas. Oh yeah. So now I'm like, oh, but hey, Seattle's a lot closer. Seattle's right there. Once that damn land border opens, exactly. Go, go check it out. So it's kind of hard right now to figure that out, um, just because of you know, for Canadian bands touring in America, it's super super difficult. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of trying to wait it out a little bit. It's see. even worse now than it was before. Yeah. Well, Woo. dude, the cost of visas has gone up by like fifty percent as well, which is brutal. Um, but yeah, like we really want to, we have a lot of friends down there right now that we've made, you know, just from being Carcosa now, like we really want to play with Love Sulphur. We really want to play with Left to Suffer. Um, you know, some bucket list bands for me, like I would love to play with the Acacia Strain. They're like my favorite band of all time. And you know, there's, we have tons of homies down there. I want to play with Reflections. Like I want to play with Brand Sacrifice. Like there's so many bands, dude. There's so many, it's, it's hard to choose, but those are some of them. Nice. Well, I hope you get to play with all of them. Me too. <laughs> and uh, just kind of on that, speaking about just bands uh, and artists, what local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the podcast for a future episode? Probably in the new year since, you know, it's already October. But True, true. Um, I think you should talk to and check out this both, both things when I say these bands. Cosm, super dope band. Um, Jessie is an awesome vocalist. She's fantastic. She also has a great TikTok. Um, Truant is a new band. They're going to be releasing some new music coming up soon. I think I've listened to Truant. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Dude, they're awesome. They just recorded a record with Tim Krevinson, um, who we, Angel Maker, just did a record with as well. Um, probably the best metal producer in the city right now. Um, yeah, so Truant is another one. Um, no Light Escapes is a good one as well. 
Uh, yeah, dude. There's, there's. I feel like there's gonna be more as uh, as time goes on, but like those are like the big ones for me right now. And uh, there was one other one too. Um, Elijah's son is really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, what was the band they had beforehand? Because I know Elijah and Son are really, really spacey and awesome. Yeah. Well, they're uh, some of the original members were in a band called Between Seas. They're from yeah. There. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, still in contact with uh, with my buddy Joey, who turned me on to Elijah nice. and Son. Yeah, yeah. That the last record they just released uh, is fucking awesome. Highly recommend checking it out. But yeah, those are just some really good local bands. And obviously, if you can get Artspire, talk to the Artspire guys. Oh yeah, well, Artspire, <laughs> like they're they're like cream of the crop for like local metal here. Cream right now. of the crop, man. They're a fantastic band. Great dudes. Dean has such an awesome online presence as well. Toby is great. Ollie's insane. Jared is nuts. Like they're all just they're crazy. I think I met them. Ran one of the guys randomly at like a at a show, and he was just talking about like. His like crazy like drum sponsorships and shit. I was just yeah. like, damn man, you can just finance everything through that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> They're doing it the right way, man. And yeah. they worked hard too. Long oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Long time. They've been at it for a while. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Uh one thing I, I should have probably mentioned this off the top here, but is the first metal act on this show. So Crazy. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. First of of many to come. Fuck yeah, I hope so. Broke the seal. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like we just mentioned, there's so many bands here to talk to that um, will obviously be down, I would assume, you know? Oh, yeah. Why not? That's the whole thing is that anyone who didn't break up during the pandemic is serious (laughs) about what they're doing. So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but no, thank you very much for uh, having me on and asking some great questions. Yeah, 100%, man. And uh, how can listeners keep up with uh, what you're up to and check out your music? So, uh, Carcosa's Instagram handle is Carcosa BC. Our website is www.carcosabc.com. Uh, same thing on Facebook, Carcosa BC. Same thing on YouTube, Carcosa BC. All the way across the board, Spotify, all those streaming platforms, Carcosa. It's easy enough, you know? That's where we are. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lingelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube at Pacific Sound Media. Our website is PacificSoundRadio.com and wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, there are a few different ways you can support it. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. You can share this podcast on your social media and you can recommend the show in person to your friends, family, and co-workers. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. <laughs>